This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 484 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. On tonight's show, we have an auditor join us for the WEG wrap-up. We're also going to talk to Gene Krause about the role of a technical delegate at dressage shows. And we are finally going to review Walter Zettel's book, Dressage in Harmony. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Hello, Phil. Yeah, we're back at home. I know. You know we had a great time. We're recovering from the World Equestrian Games and getting back into <laughs> our routines. It's true. We had a nice vacation. It turned out lots of fun. There was a lot of drama getting you down here, but you ended up flying to Lexington and we just drove to Tryon. Uh, but we had a great time. It was so much fun to all hang out as a group. We don't yeah, I, get to do I know that I didn't often. have to experience my first hurricane. I hope I never do. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that was a little bit of a logistical nightmare, but we put it together. We were able to go to the go to the show. And yeah, as you said, we had a wonderful time. Yeah, we even had a little fun and downtime in Kentucky, which was not. It's always fun when you have like a staycation that you're. I was like, I'm home, but I'm not home. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Don't tell anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We didn't even do horses. We just we just like hung out and did fun stuff. It was great. Not that horses aren't fun, but it was it was a lot of fun. Well, Phil, we have a, a really large show. We have so a we're big show. Yeah, we were right trying to. to we were booking guests and and being a little crazy this week. So, <laughs> like you said, we should get right to it. We have an auditor that was at WEG and is going to join us for a little bit of a wrap-up to talk about the horse show and, and all kinds of things about Tryon, North Carolina. Well, Philip and I are super excited to have Marlene Lewenberger. She is a Horse Radio Network auditor who was also at the World Equestrian Games. Marlene, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, we are excited, and we're we're bummed we didn't get to meet you when we were at WEG, but we wanted I got to, to meet kinda... Philip. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you got to meet Philip. Did you come to the meetup? <laughs> I did. I came to one of the meetups, but you weren't able to meet to make it. But I got to meet That's Philip. Right. I got to Yay. meet Meredith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it absolutely. was during the award ceremony. It was during we did the award a meetup, ceremony. And I, yeah. I yeah, had it to was. see the U.S. get a silver medal. I That is the first time in certainly my lifetime that has happened, I think, ever. And so I just, I was like, I love you guys, but I am watching uh, the U.S. get their medal. <laughs> and that's that's what I did. So I did. I, I did scoot out on our own meetup. I, I'm a horrible person. But uh, I felt like that was so historic. I, I really wanted yeah. to see it. Not a horrible person at all. I understand. <laughs> so, well, tell us a little bit about kind of your adventure to WEG. Well, yeah, it certainly was an adventure. Um, we didn't go to the opening ceremonies, but we arrived at the venue bright and early in the morning, pretty much every day starting on the Wednesday. And we had full session tickets to dressage and to eventing. So, yeah, so we were there from the, the very beginning of the start of the competition and had a lot of fun. The first day was especially interesting because, of course, you know, that's, they had the fewest of the kinks worked out from a venue perspective. But we also had really good seats because our seats were kind of in the corner, right where the riders come in from warm up and right like right near the kiss and cry. So we could like 
we could like watch the coaches like you know cluck and ride every step you know robert dover was hilarious to watch <laughs> during was, during was, the some of the Debbie, routines both of them yeah Debbie both of them and were robert bouncing are pretty around cute. during the yeah they sports. were like yeah, they're kicking and clucking, and you could just watch them, and and it was uh, it was, so it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to be able to see their reactions, in addition to some really great riding. Of course, there was, you know, terrific riding, but I think a lot of those other little, I call them bonus experiences, just make it that much more fun and that much more special. Yeah. So we had really good seats from that perspective, and the first day, you know, it was a little slow getting started. We were there, as I said, pretty early because I wasn't sure what the traffic was going to be like, so we just took it really conservative approach to get there on the early side, and we ended up being there well before the competition started, so we went to the end of the row. We're kind of peering into the peering into the uh, the warm-up, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, there's all these crazy Arabians just running past the warm-up arena in the background. It was the endurance race going right through the area. And our oh, wow. the dressage horses weren't quite sure what to make of that. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I bet. Yes, you were there during Endurance Gate, which was um, quite yes. an experience. Uh, you know, the endurance ended up uh, getting canceled. It was yeah. uh, not good. They, they, uh, it's a, it, you have to listen. Uh, if you haven't listened to Glenn's WEG report, you have to listen because WEG, WEG Gate was, was quite something going on. Yes, that was not uh, at yeah. all good. It, it, that really made the first day difficult on a lot of reasons and it got it rained and then it got really hot really hot um which actually played into well for the dressage riders i mean it was just hot the endurance horses you know ended up there was some a lot of problems so they ended up canceling the race but it was it was because philip and i got there in the afternoon and it, it was it was incredibly hot for for the riders that went that afternoon um yeah it was just the humidity was just so it was it was just it was like you're breathing underwater. Yeah, it was really <laughs> incredible. It was so hot. So tell us from the Grand Prix, like, what were some some of your takeaways from the Grand Prix? What did you think of the riders? Um, you know, I was so impressed. And I have to say, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a newcomer to the appreciation of the sport of dressage. I've always appreciated it as a, you know, as, as, as good training for any discipline. Um, but now since my daughter's been riding it more competitively and, she was there with me, so she was kind of giving me the, the kind of the rundown. I was watching the scores and I'd be like, okay, why was that score not better? And she would explain it to me, and that was, that was pretty awesome. And for me, I think it was just impressive to see how every ride, practically every ride, could be better than the next ride. I mean, by the time you got to those last few riders, I mean, you just wanted to cry. It was so great. <laughs> Yeah, because that's right. Because in the Grand Prix and the team day, the way the teams typically organize is their weaker riders go early uh, or will go right. the first day. And the second day is, is but then you had some individual riders mixed in there. So uh, you'd have a rider from a smaller country and then Isabel Vert. <laughs> but it was, yeah. it was it was very true, though. I, you know, the competition got better and better as as the days continued. So what did you think about the U.S. winning a medal? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was fantastic. And I was, I was pretty confident all along that we could do it. You know, I think we had, you know, the right team and I think we had the right build up to this um, competition. And I think when you consider how like Laura Graves and Isabel Barrett have been kind of trading titles back and forth, you know, it was just set up for a really nice showdown. And I did get to see the World Cup in Omaha a couple of years ago. 
And I thought that all of the, the Grand Prix riding from the riders that were similar were better at WEG than they were at World Cup. Yeah, I think that's a little bit typical. The World Cup circuits indoors and, you know, most of the training and the big competitions for the horses and riders are, you know, in outdoor venues. You know, we think about places that, uh, you know, like Aachen or the the American Championships. And so that might be normally, that might normally be the case, especially for the hotter horses um, like Verdadis, where, you know, there's a lot more distractions in a small indoor arena than mm-hmm. there are in these big, you know, you always sit a little further back in the big venues. There's, you know, the the, the horses and, and riders. Um, I think, you know, uh, a competition like WEG is, you know, above uh, a World Cup. World Cup is normally for, you know, personal, you know, it's not, there's no nation, you know, team medals involved in a World Cup. So I think, all you know, a lot of the focus, a lot of the training is, is for, you know, every four years, a WEG every four years for, uh, an Olympics. That's I mean, it's it's the mm-hmm. big sport, the real deal, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and not right. all always are are the big name riders going to bring their best horses from Europe to come to America to compete in a, in a World Cup, for instance, when it's at Omaha or at Las Vegas and stuff. But you know, WEG is big deal. It's it's a bigger deal than a World Cup, and and horses and riders will train much harder and be much better prepared. And I think that you sort of see that in that experience. Right. Um, well, I haven't uh, seen that many like competitions at this level, for sure. Right. Well, this is my first WEG, so I've never seen that before. And I thought the World Cup was impressive when I saw it, and this was even more so. And I, I think it kind of plays into, like, as many things as were difficult or went wrong or whatever criticisms people have about the weather or the venue or whatever, I would do it again because, like, you don't see that just anywhere. I mean, you, you, it really takes a WEG or an Olympics or something like that to see that. And I was just blown away by the quality of riding. Yeah. And the in, amount in the of, of big horses, you know, the amount of fantastic yeah. horses that were there. I mean, even from Kentucky, um, I didn't go to France to see the, that, uh, world equestrian games, but I mean, there's so many highlight horses and riders that we saw. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was so cool, and I think from the venue there were challenges. Uh, I think you you can't talk about wagon not talk about that there were some challenges that you know they really did try to make it as good as they could, but you know it, the, the venue wasn't finished, and there was as a spectator there were some challenges, but the the where the horses were and the stadium and once they got the scoring, you know that they just had some um, the guy that was dragging the arena hit the cable, so there was some scoring yeah. issues. But once they got that up and going again, you know, really the dressage was was quite nice and um, the stadium was great and the competition was better and better. You know, if you wanted to see, you know, how I think from highlights from the Grand Prix, uh, I just remember turning to Philip after Carl Hester's ride and saying, you know, that technically was how you ride a Grand Prix. Like, okay, And then, (laughs) you know, and then uh, Laura Graves came out and then you're like oh my gosh, that horse looks phenomenal. And then Isabel Barrett came out. And if you've ever wanted to see a 10 at Piaf Massage uh, in person, I've seen it, you know, it was really cool. So there was just some big highlights like that, that just, you know, and Casey Perry Glass on, on Dublé was just seeing that horse and, and how she's gotten that horse sort of from Wellington where she didn't compete a lot and she had a clear strategy on how she was going to get to the WEG this year. And she did, and it was awesome. So there was so many cool moments, I think, that 
that you got even from there being issues with the venue and, yeah, and I think it just overwhelmed the, the negative aspects of okay you know mm-hmm. not everything is going to go perfect uh, even if they had had four years to you know I mean it's just hard when it comes down to the day and the time there's you know can be can can be some problems but you have to think it were, were the highlights worth it Absolutely. Yeah, you I think know. so too. I mean, we Philip had challenges. He had to change his flight and all kinds of things with the hurricane, but it was worth it. And um, you know, we were of course disappointed that the freestyle was canceled, but the amount of water that came in there just it wasn't going to be safe for people to be at the venue, and uh, it wasn't going to be safe for the horses getting them from the stables to the venue, and uh, there was a lot of logistical challenges. But I think overall, you know, it was it was great and. You know, there were on Friday for the Grand Prix special, there were four riders, Philip, right? In the 80% or five. I mean, yeah, fantastic. And they deserve, yeah. I mean, it wasn't inflated marks. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've seen these horses and they were at their peak. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. they were at their peak to compete at this games and, you know, and, and to see that in person. I mean, you can watch it on video and, uh, and a lot of people did, you know, FEI TV. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. That's great. But it's, yeah, you see, see it in person. I, mean, I think to, yeah. To see it in person is just another level and, and just really a wonderful experience. So, um, well, and there's and you get to see too yeah. what 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 is some of the movements as you're watching some of the live scoring come come across. You know, you could go, oh, so that's what a ten tempi change looks like. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's it. I, we and we said the same thing. You know, we would sit and we sat right in front of the scoring, and you're like. Okay, you know, wow. Or you saw how the riders uh, really made mistakes in the rain back. Because where we happened to be sitting yeah. during the Grand Prix, we had a great view of the rain back. And we were like, oh, my gosh, there's so many people that are riding terrible rain backs. <laughs> like, or That's I think true. from a just a technical. Yeah, I mean, from highlights, you know, and from highlights and from, you know, uh, as a coach, you sort of like look at some things and look how it's written. And, and you know, um, you think, OK, that 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 could be improved. Right. I mean. You know, mm-hmm. you see some fives pop up on the score and you're like, yeah, well, it was crooked or it was this or it was that, you know, that's, yeah, yeah I mean, you, you see both things and, and you, you you try and put it all together in your mind and you try and uh, move forward and take a little bit of some of the things home as a rider and, and as a coach and, yeah. and I think that's handy as well. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's mom, you know, watching for your daughter is also fantastic. So Marlene, yeah. how were your, condi- where did you stay? That was always, that was like where we asked every, like, what uh, did you say? What we, did you do? We, we stayed in Asheville, um, which ended up being like a 45 minute drive um, for us. And it worked out fine. We didn't really have any problems getting to or from the venue. Yeah, it was, it was nice. And oh, and uh, on the WEG show, there was um, some recommendations given on where to eat. We uh, took two of those recommendations, and they were both excellent. So, Yay! Yeah, I can definitely. We got something right. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Yay, Glenn! Yeah, yeah. So definitely, I can recommend good places to eat and drink, and and you know, see art in Asheville. We didn't actually go looking for any art, but it's just everywhere. Like you can just see it. Like there's little galleries, or it's just it's just everywhere. Yeah, Asheville's a cool. A it cool is a. Ta- I, I love Asheville. Yeah, that's it's a, a neat great town. town. Yeah, so yeah, think, it was the know, first all, time we'd yeah. ever stayed there. Yeah, I was going to say all the locals were very accommodating and really interested in what was what was happening near all the small towns. We were in Forest City, I think, and uh, yeah. having dinner and and just 
a lot of conversation, you know, why are you all here and welcome? And yeah. I mean, that's always nice to, to get a, a warm reception. We, we actually made yeah. it to Tryon and ate at Huckleberry's. We got out one night of the 17 we were there. We actually got to go. We did the show early and just said, to heck with it. We're going out. And uh, we ate this place called Huckleberry's in Tryon. Tryon's a cute little town. It's really cute. And then this place was a great place to eat. And, uh, and it was funny because we mentioned who we were. And I think that they had known that we had recommended them. So they even commented on our Facebook page when we left. And for some Aww. reason, we got unbelievable service. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that worked out. I love it. Yeah, but I think everybody, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Philip and Meredith and my trip, we had a great time. We got to hang out with Glenn and Jennifer. Like, we had a great time. Uh, they certainly treated the media quite nicely. So we we were in good shape. But um, yeah, there was a lot of stories. But I think overall, again, the competition was phenomenal. And if you haven't seen it online, look up. You know, Isabel Vert, Laura Graves, Casey Perry oh, Glass. Yeah. yeah, you know, Charlotte's, uh, Charlotte Dijardin's new mayor was an amazing. So there's lots of lots of highlights for sure and um, worth worth looking up. But Marlene, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us about uh, your experience at WEG. We're so happy that you were able to come on and we love our auditors and we look forward to hopefully getting together at another big event. Sounds good. Well, our next interview is going to be actually with Jean Krause. She was a steward uh, at the World Equestrian Games, and we're also going to talk a little bit about the role of stewards and technical delegates at competitions. Well, tonight we are very happy to have Jean Krause. She is a full professor of equine studies at William Woods University. She is the USDF chair of the TD committee and a large RTD. Jean, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much. Glad to be here. <laughs> Well, you are fresh back from 17 days, is that right, at the World Equestrian Games? Yes, and they were awesome, absolutely <laughs> awesome days. What an experience. Well, so, Jean, tell us a little bit about your experience. What did, what, what, what did you do there? What are TDs and stewards doing at, at a big event like that? Well, since it's an FEI competition and the FEI is the international governing body, then I was a steward, dressage steward. I'm a level three dressage steward and just one of several dressage stewards from around the world that were there to help officiate the dressage portion. And so as, as a steward, what are, what are you doing at a big international competition for our listeners that don't know sort of what at an FEI competition your role is? Some of the same things that I would do as a technical delegate. I'm there watching out for the welfare of the horse and the competitors and helping as a liaison, explaining rules, and just monitoring the competition. And so are you kind of stationed in the stabling? Are you state where are you stationed during during the event? Well, it depends on your role at WIG. We rotated around and each of the seventeen days we had different responsibilities. And sometimes you would be in the stables monitoring those, and sometimes you'd be in the field of play, which means out where the horses are training or competing. And sometimes it depended, other stewards were rotated around in different barns, the pyroplasmosis barn or different venues such as the eventing or the para. 
And I didn't happen to be rotated. I stayed pretty much glued to the dressage area. <laughs> so, Jean, uh, what specifically are you monitoring in, you know, within uh, a stabling role? What What is going on there that, that you are looking for? What are the, the different specific things? Well, in the stabling, you're looking to see that the horses are literally safe that the stalls are well constructed, that they have food and water, that there are no electrical cords, and we had some issue with those where the horse could reach them and possibly bite through them, and the incoming and outgoing of the horses, the hours that the competitors can come into the stables and monitoring that. So just generally that all is well for the horses and the competitors in the stabling area. Now, Jean, is there um, is there a steward 24 hours a day at the stabling? Yes. Yes, they were monitored 24 hours a day, and all the incoming and outgoing of the horses, any time that they were taken from the stables to training area, that it was recorded, and then when they returned so that we knew exactly how long each horse had been gone. And then... At different times, we would have people who would be monitoring the location of certain horses, and they would come through asking where competitor 100 was, and you had to be able to tell them exactly. He's in training, he's in field of play, or he's in the wash rack. Wow, that's interesting. That's And um, there is a certain time, right? The competitors can't be with the horses at all times at FEI competition, right? Well, stabling closes down at certain hours, and here it was 10 o'clock, and they could come in, but it's recorded when they come in as to who they are, and then they're accompanied by a steward to visit the horse. But other than that, yes, during day light hours, yes, they can come and go as they wish. Perfect, yes. Yeah, I'm just going to ask, like, people might be curious as to why that is. Well, you're monitoring, particularly overnight, you're monitoring what is happening with the horse, that the horse is okay, and what the person visiting the horse might be doing. And during the day, we're just monitoring. We would do regular stall sweeps going up and down the aisles just to monitor that everything is okay with the horses. And then for the people during the day, we're just watching that everything is happening as it should that nobody is putting a horse in danger it, 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 there's so many that things that go on uh, with the games like that that it's just incredible and even just a, a regular cdi there that's why they're international competitions and there there's certain things that you have to watch so tell us um what was kind of your favorite moment of the games what was some fun things that got to that happened oh watching that level of competitor and they're the top horses in the world and just watching them on their home base at home in their stalls and then watching them out in the training and also when they're competing. And it's it's just a thrilling aspect to see that level of competition and competitor. Oh, I bet. I bet. And you, you're right there. You're right up and close to them. That's yeah. that's fantastic. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, Gene, kind of changing roles, um, tell us a little bit about what it means to be the chair of the USDF TD committee. Well, it's an awesome responsibility, and <laughs> what, what we're trying to do is just what you all are doing with this podcast is make the role of the TD more visible. 
and more visible, particularly to the competitor, because we did a little survey that said, what do you think the TD does? And we got very interesting responses, (laughs) not too many of them being accurate for what our role actually is. So this year, particularly, we've been working on developing ways of sharing what our role and responsibilities are to competitors, and we'll continue to do that. So uh, today in this interview, we've sort of used the, the term steward and technical delegate. Are those, are those interchangeable, or maybe what, are, what would the differences be? Well, in the international arena, you have FEI stewards, and they will pretty much do what on the national, what we call the national level, the USEF level, USEF, USDF, the technical delegate and their role is very similar. There is an international FEI technical delegate, but they they have more of an organizational and running of the competition role than what the USEF, USDF, TD has. Got it. So, so Jean, tell us a little, I mean, just even for someone that's new to the sport, what is at the national level the role of the technical delegate? Well, The technical delegate does much of what the FEI steward does. Here in the U.S., we are the liaison between the USEF, competition management, and the competitor. So we're the USEF's representative at the competition. We're their ears and eyes. And we serve then as a resource for competition management to help ensure that the competition is run either according to the rules and in a safe manner. And then for the competitor, we're there to help with rule interpretation and any other questions that a competitor might have. We're trying to safeguard, again, the welfare of the horse and that everything is done in a safe manner. We're the voice for the horse because they can't speak for themselves. And and also, I think uh, TDs. I, I think people are really nervous to talk to the TD, but but that's really not the role, right? I mean, you're you're really there also to to be an advocate for the rider or help the rider through different situations, right? We are absolutely. And so many times, people see us coming and they go, "Oh, it's the police," <laughs> and that that is unfortunately a, a term that's been given to us and. In that role, yes, we're wanting to make sure the rules are followed, but we're also wanting to, as you say, help the competitor to do it correctly. And if they are going to break a rule to try to get in there before and say, ooh, that's, that's just not going to work. So we want to be a resource for competitors and help them do the job that they want to do at the competition. That makes total sense. So, so tell us. I mean, uh, like judges, we've gone through the judges track. What's the t- What's the track if you wanted to become a TD in the United States? How does that work? Well, there are requirements. They can be accessed from USCF and from the website. And obviously, you need experience as hopefully a competitor, and hopefully as competition management so that you understand the role that you will then play at a competition because you have seen all sides of that competition. You have requirements that you have to fulfill and then apprenticing 
at competitions with the technical delegate. And then as you're accumulating that experience, you're working your way towards the card, what we call becoming accredited or getting the TD card. Excellent. And you can find that information on the USEF website? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about what the USDF, uh, you know, the committee that you run, wh what is, what are they doing and, and how can that, you know, I guess be accessed by competitors if you need to, or, or tell us a little bit about that committee. Well, the USDFTD committee is working towards making the role of the TD more recognizable to the competitor and getting our name out and our job description out so that they will understand what we're doing and be able to use this as a resource. And we're also looking into the education of TDs, how to make them stronger so that they are the best official in the field that they can be. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I love it. Well, Jean, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show and, and kind of giving us a role of, of what the TD does. It's, it's definitely a job that, it, it, you know, you don't, there's not a lot of, you know, excitement with that job, but, you know, your TDs are really somebody that you should get to know uh, in a good way. Um, and uh, so how could our listeners, if, if they would like to find for more information out or, or want to, um, how can they access um, that information online? Well, on the USEF website and also the USDF website under resources and under resources, you'll find TD resources and then that will help take you through the role of the TD, different checklists that we look at and things that we utilize to do our job, which would help educate anyone into what our job is. Fantastic. Well, Jean, thanks so much, and we look forward to seeing you at a horse show soon. All right. Thank you. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name, and his head comes up as he walks toward you, looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Microphase vitamin and mineral supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Today for our book review of Dressage and Harmony from Basics to Grand Prix, written by Walter Zettel, we have our auditor, Kim Watts, on the show. Kim, welcome. Thank you for having me. We're very excited. Um, so, Kim, tell us a little bit about your horsey self. What, what, tell us about you and your horse. I have basically ridden my whole life. I grew up in a family with horses and started dressage. Okay, now I'm going to start getting my age away. Started riding <laughs> dressage in 1990 and 
have been riding dressage since then, been through various horses. I've ridden um, through the I-1 and now have a four-year-old. I bought us a two-year-old and starting over with her. just want to know how you got actually drawn to dressage and, and that kind oh. of thing. Okay, I'm going to be the opposite of some of these people. I, well, in... I, I thought at one point, because I had an Arab quarter horse mare that I rode in Western stuff. And then I thought, oh, I have enough money. I'm single. I can buy a second horse. So I bought it off the track thoroughbred. And I thought, I want to do three-day eventing or at least combined training or something like that. And he was a really good horse. And he was great. But I really fell in love with the dressage. I did decided I was too old to start to learn to have a good jumping seat. So I loved the dressage and just kind of stuck with it. And um, got him to second level and then sold him as a hunter and then just kept going. That's fantastic. Well, tell us. So you've been through the scale, which is great to, to have a have an auditor that's written to intermediate one level, which is a higher level. And now starting over, and I think it gives you a really good perspective on wh- why things are important. Once you sort of have ridden at the f- upper levels, you're like, oh, yeah, that really is important. So tell us, what did you kind of think about the book and how was it helpful for you? Well, I thought the book was great in a lot of ways. Um, people who are just starting dressage could get so much out of it because basically he tells you how to do everything there is to do. The problem is, is until you have like experience, it's really hard to know why it's important, like you said, or what is the important parts of it, especially. But I know coming back to a young horse, yeah, it's like a lot of checks. Like, oh no, I have to do this. And sure, you guys as professionals ride enough different horses, but my last horse, taking her up to the FBI. I kind of equate it to dancing with somebody all the time, same husband. You kind of know each other's steps, but then all of a sudden you got a new horse and you're like, oh, okay, now I have to do this the right way and not just yeah. the way we kind of figured yeah. out how to do it. It's so interesting yeah. going through things sort of like the second time or the third mm-hmm. time, you know, like, and I think that's uh, really cool about all the books in general because when you read it sort of the first time you go through it, you don't have, a, like you said, you don't have a lot of context to the things that you're reading. You're like, oh, okay, you know, all right, that sort of makes sense. And you go through it. And then, and then, and then you train a horse and then you're training a second horse and you go through the book again and you're kind of like, oh yeah, I really should have paid attention to that sentence mm-hmm. or that part of how he describes the shoulder in or the trave or the half pass. Yeah. If I had really known to highlight that paragraph, I wouldn't have made all those mistakes, but I think that's sort of, you know, that's writing, that's, that's learning all the mistakes, that's making the mistakes and, and, and then going through realizing, you know, the context of the problems and, and then, um, trying to undo them a little bit or to, to do the, to redo it better, or, exactly. you know, and, and so, um, I mean, this is, for me, this is quite manual of instruction of, like you said, everything mm-hmm. is, I mean, it, it, it includes how to mount your horse. You know, the correct, Mm -hmm. the correct German way, as they say, you know, there's so much structure (laughs) in the, in the German teachings that, you know, um, when I first came to learning dressage, you know, I had uh, a coach, right. And then, you know, as you move your way up through the levels of, of, you know, how much more instruction you need or different coaching, or, you know, you get, um, trainers that come in and then. And and then you sort of realize that when you get an old master like Walter, Walter Zetto was, there is not just you do things, you do things correctly all, right. all the time, every day. And I think that really comes across in this book. You know, when when you see how much instruction is involved here, there's only one way to do things. 
you know, and that that really came across for me. Anyways. Oh, and it, exactly, and it's so detailed. I, you know, I thought it, one of the things you kind of forget about is this: like you want when he talks about the push versus the carry, though, and kind of like figure if a horse is going, he's got he's doing it right. Well, no, it might just be pushing instead of actually stepping under and, and taking the weight and. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I have to think about that. I think my horse is forward, but is she really using the hind end or is she just kind of pulling herself along? So, I mean, just so many things to start thinking about again, you know. Yeah, no, it's true. You know, I read this book the first time and and that's why, you know, it was one of the reasons I, I chose it for this book for this month or, you know, with Philip is, you know, I read this book when I, when it first came out in 1998. So I was 18 when it came out and kind of just starting kind of a professional career at that time. And I remember reading this and being like, oh my gosh, I have so much to learn. You know what I mean? Like reading this book and being like, wow wow, you know, just, it yeah. kind of was mind blowing at the time. Like there was so much theory and there were so many things in this book where I was like, wow. So it really sort of made me ask more questions, if that makes sense, or pay attention a little bit more yeah, it's to a bit my humbling. trainer. It's a bit humbling, you know, when, when you have a text of this magnitude to think, you know, like, how am I ever going to fig- figure any of it out? And, and easily, you know, getting overwhelmed, like you're saying, Reese. Yeah. But, oh, yes. Um, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say, like, one of the things I liked about it at that time was, hey, it made me step it up in in the theory department, which was good. I mean, it obviously at that point it was sort of life changing in a lot a lot of ways. But you know, then I went on to do this structure certification and et cetera. But this book was kind of the beginning of that for me of really understanding. Oh wait. Okay, there's a lot of theory in dressage, and and that is part of dressage. Is is there's some level of, you know, and why we're doing the book club is is there is some reading and some base knowledge of of theory that you need as you ride the sport, uh, so that when you have an instructor and they say something, you can be like, oh, okay, they're saying that because you know, for example, contact is part of the scale of training, um, and I think it it helps you get a little bit more out of the lessons that you're taking. But I, I, I know Philip and I, because we had this discussion, is, is as you go back, you know, even as a professional rider, there's a lot of good things that you can just be reminded of, you know, the, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> or, or, hey, let's talk about this as we, as we coach. Um, so that's why I, I like this book. And I think uh, I, I personally, when, when I have somebody that wants to learn about dressage, this is the book I send them to, at least in the beginning, or one of them, like, read this and then we can talk about it because there's there's so much there's so much to this book um, that you can get even from a low level or a high level or even just you know lunging. It talks about lunging. It talks about mounting. It talks about bridling. I mean, it talks about everything. Maybe not super in depth, but certainly enough information to get you started. That's that's always been my take on this book. Also, he's just really good about you know detailing that all these things matter and that you have to, I, I think that you have to like always be in the moment when you're on the horse or with the horse, instead of just like, you know, Oh, I'm just walking around the arena now. Cause it's straight to turn to straight to turn. If you're going around, if you're doing a circle, it's a circle and, you know, to constantly be paying attention to what you're doing and how you're doing it instead of just kind of like, you know, uh, yeah, tack walking, and I'm tack walking, but I used to call it, uh, yeah, like, you know, pony riding. 
you know, sure. going around in a circle. But um, yeah, it is. It, it just makes me think, oh my gosh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, yes, exactly. Or he would say something. And I thought, wow, I've never seen that really quite written or written that way. But then I think, oh, how I ride my shoulder in. Oh, yes, I can sit in the chair and instantly feel where the shoulder and goes, yep, that's right. You know, kind of checking there. Um, yeah. You know, and I have to I admit, I have never really heard the term Kreutz used and defined like he defined it. But he did a good job of defining it and bringing it back to people again and again. Um, but I, yeah. you know, always we, We've talked happens. before a little bit about, about German is the language to learn dressage in, right? Because mm -hmm. they have mm -hmm. sort of very specific terms that we don't always get translated um, very well into English. But there's a lot of there's a lot of that in here also because obviously moving to Canada from Germany, he's had to explain these things to people, explain the German ter terminology, and sometimes it takes two or three paragraphs or an entire page just to describe one word. And so you, you sort of have to you, you need to come to dressage with a little bit of that that kind of explanation of you know German t t terminology. You know, like mm -hmm. very often. We hear, you know, the horse being on the bit, which is a, you know, sort of a rough translation of a, a German phrase, and and it's probably like a whole paragraph to describe what on the bit means. But in German, you would get, I think, you would get it a lot easier um, than 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 in English because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean literally on the, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, there's a lot of that in this book and. I think if you, you know, if you found a horse and you were in the middle of the desert and you only had this book, I think you would could do a pretty good job of training yeah. a horse. Oh, yeah. But you'd have to read it every day. You know every I mean? day. Like, you, you <laughs> every would, like, section. Try to include, you'd try to do a leg yield and then you would come back, read the book. Oh, you would be like, oh, I made like 10 mistakes in what I was trying to train. <laughs> go back to the book, go back to the horse again the next day. You're like, okay. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, so it doesn't do quite the job of, of having an instructor there to tell you exactly at the right moment that, you know, but by going back to the book, going back to the horse, back to the book, back to the horse, I think you could, yeah. you could do a pretty good job of training. Oh, I, yeah, I definitely think so. And I, and I liked it because I have a friend who will say, well, I don't understand what you mean by when you said you're doing this or, or when they said to do that. I'm like, okay, Christmas present for you because yes. go look up, <laughs> go look up the term and you can sit and, you know, mull it over. And I don't have to keep trying to explain it in my amateur way of, you know, what, and, you know, translating somebody else's teachings, you know? Yeah, no, that's, no I, I absolutely agree. You know, that's why, you know, when, when we have a new girl that started and she's, she's really excited. She's a hunter jumper and she's really excited about dressage. And I was like, you can't take the book tonight because I need it, but go take this home and take some time and read it and, and know what we're kind of trying to do every day. And so I think that that's been a good thing. So I love it. Well, Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and going through the book with us. That was a lot of fun and I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I'm glad you're giving it as some Christmas presents. That's fun. And we appreciate it. And then we have a great book coming from Christoph Hess next month that I think you'll also enjoy. We hope. So uh, keep it up. All right. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. 
So, Phil, for our total saddle fit tip of the week, we've got a great listener question, but we wanted to talk about, actually, I've had a great experience this week on the Stretch Tech girth, the Stretch Tech shoulder relief girth. Not only do they have great liners, which it was very hot last week, and so I've been using the fleece liner, and one thing I'm very impressed with the fleece liner is that I can wash it all the time, because I do wash it every day, pretty much, because it's the horse has been so sweaty. But I put it on a younger horse that was getting kind of just kind of sore and girthy. He was in a different girth. And I said to the owner, hey, let's try this stretch tech girth, the fleece lining. And the horse, it really, really made a difference in this horse. So I've done it before with my own horses and, and found a difference. But I really found a difference with this young horse that was sort of, it was. it's actually an OTTB, which will come into our question here in a second. Yeah. Um, but just kind of sensitive, you know, just kind of a sensitive soul. Uh, and it made a huge difference. And it's not the first time I've had that happen. So uh, it made me even love this girth more. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's down to several things. The The wool liner is great for horses with sensitive skin that might get rubs or, you know, things like that. The shape of the girth makes sure that the elbow is not hitting the, the girth. The girth is not interfering with the horse's normal movement. And then the elastic part of the stretch tech girth makes sure that the you know the girth isn't pinching, and that um, if you have have sort of a a bloater type of horse that that you're not all of a sudden riding with no tension in the girth. You know, yeah. Before before getting the t- the total saddle fit girths, I always rode with a horse uh, in, in uh, girth with elastic. But these girths always traditionally would have the elastic on the billet. So you would be a little bit afraid of kind of over tightening it or, you know, the elastic parts would stretch too much and stuff like this. But, you know, the way that the the stretch tech girth is designed, that the elastic is sort of around the horse's uh, rib cage, which I think works a lot better for allowing the horse to, uh, to be able to expand and contract with the breathing, with the movement. I think that design is really awesome. And be- and better than than the old design girth. So we thank Justin for you know redesigning, rethinking the idea of girthing the horse and uh, m- making our job a lot easier. Exactly, exactly. So Phil, for our total saddle fit tip of the week, what do you have? Well, we got a we got a question from a listener, which we love. This is a question about contact. The rider is an eventer and has a OTTB off the track thoroughbred. And she competes at training level. She's uh, struggling with dressage, as most eventers do. They kind of don't like it very much. <laughs> the easiest, uh, yeah. And she says her question is is really about truly understanding contact. She says that there are days where the this, uh, her horse is very, very light, light as a feather. And other days, there's a decent amount of him pushing in, into the bit. She says, which is correct. She understands that the energy from the behind creating the feel on the friend, but what is normal for the actual weight in her hands? Is it normal for it to change day to day? There we go. I think I sort of did a pretty good job of trying to figure out the question. Yeah. So so actually, this coming week at the Kentucky Horse Park is the retired racehorse project. So I have actually been working with a lot of OTTBs the last couple weeks and getting them ready for the horse show. And we'll give kind of a report on the horse show. But the basic premise of that horse show is to, um, it's every year, it's becoming a really big thing, uh, especially here in Lexington. People are coming really far away, um, are coming in in for the horse show. So, um, but we're we're doing this a lot with the horses right now. You know, they're, they're training hard. 
they're using different muscles and sometimes I see the horses and they're fantastic. They're really ready to go. They're really consistent. They're really soft into the contact. And then I may see them two or three days later and they're not as good. And one of the first questions I asked is, Hey, what'd you do yesterday? <laughs> did you jump? <laughs> did you, what did you do with them? And and actually that seems to play a role, especially with an off, off the th- track thoroughbred or, or a horse that's doing sort of multiple disciplines with the eventers that does impact them. Cause sometimes, you know, if they have a hard gallop, and they come in the next day and you want them to be soft and round and, and be in a dressage frame. Sometimes they're just physically not able to do that. Uh, that's one thing that I found with the thoroughbreds. Um, and, and if, it, if this horse is an event horse, he's not doing dressage every day. He's probably doing it maybe three, maybe four times a week. So I have found that as kind of a consistent overall thing with, with thoroughbreds, but it is hard to get a consistent connection, even with a dressage horse that's young and, or learning the sport. Wouldn't you say, Phil? Um, yeah, That's... I mean, it's not just the thoroughbred issue, but no. thoroughbreds fall into um, a category where I kind of sneaky behind the bitters, where yeah. they don't really <laughs> like mouth pressure, so mm-hmm. they will make their neck very round, but hide a little bit behind the bit. So, you know, not really willing to stretch and put a little bit of weight into the bit. The other thing is uh, with eventers as well. I know that they may jump in a different bit that they than yes. they do their flat work in. So if mm-hmm. your your horse is a little bit more bitted for a little bit more control, you know, for cross country or something like that, or if they wear a martingale, then this can also cause um, contact differences or contact mm-hmm. problems. If you you know if you jumped yesterday and now you're going to put him in his in his snaffle today. He's not going to want to connect to that bit as much because, um, you know, it was a little bit stronger bit that sort of discourages the horses from pulling. So you can understand why they're not, you know, t- taking the contact as well. So I think with this question, there's a couple of different factors involved. And for sure, if the horse is going to, if you're going to ask the horse to push and stretch into the bit and, and take the contact, lean on the hands a little bit, um, if they're, like you said, if they're a little tired, then they're not, they're not so willing to go over the back and and do that connection. So I would say, you know, if this rider were to come to me for some lessons and one day they came to the, the lesson and, you know, the contact is great, the horse is pulling a little bit, and the next time they come that the, the horse is hiding a little bit behind the bit, not willing to stretch out, I would do exercises that would only focus on that because I'm not going to do, you know, one, one day when the contact is good, I might do some leg yield, I might do some transitions, I might, you know, do a number of things. But if the next time they come out, we're not going to do those things because they require that connection to make sure the horse is moving correctly through the, through the top line, through the horse's body. Otherwise, the, our exercises are useless. They're not teaching the horse anything, right? They're not. Mm-hmm. You, you can't progress. So you would take a step back. You would, you know, I would definitely do some poles or something, you know, more canter sets to really encourage the horse to use the, the body correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe more walk. It depends on the horse. Um, I guess I said more canter because the horse, the the thoroughbreds typically get more stretched and 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 really use their body well in the canter. That's you know kind of what they're built for. So that's why I would do a little bit more canter. But if you have a horse that hides behind the contact most in the canter and least amount in the walk, then I would do a lot more walk. You know, get them on a little bit of long rein, encourage the pushing, ride a little bit more up tempo to see if you can get them to free up their back a little bit. Uh, you know, just really focus on 
on the basics, not so much in in uh, advancing the horse on those days. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I little cavalettis, things you know, things that will make the horse naturally round. Again, you have to get a little bit creative. You have to know your horse well to know what what exercises are going to do that for you. Sometimes even a, just a little bit of lun- lunging. I know that people use different uh, mm-hmm. lunging apparatuses to get the horse to to connect from the hind leg up to the up to the front end so um yeah i mean lunging works as long as you're not restricting the the front hand the the front of the horse too much that they're allowed to freely move into into the bit and if you have a horse that might this is a consistent problem that more days that they're hiding behind the bit than really going to it and then i would consider a bit change something that might be a little bit softer or you know you would go to a double jointed instead of a single jointed snaffle, French link, you know, all these different ideas to kind of help with the problem. I don't think bits always solve the problem right away, but um, you want to create more days where the horse is searching for the contact and, and coming to your hand than, than not. And I think you're going in the, in the right direction in that, in that kind of philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that those are so, all really good points. Yeah. You know, bending, I think those are all really circles, bending. Yeah. Yep. Inside leg, outside rein, yeah, until the horse takes the bit a little bit. Yep, I like it. Um, But, you know, I think it is interesting. Um, I I really like the way you were saying that they probably are in a different bit as well. Yeah, I noticed that a lot, that you can't just Mm -hmm. change bits and expect the contact to be consistent. Right, because dressage horses will stay sort of in the same apparatus all the time, and event horses, they may have three different sets of tack depending yeah. on sort of what they need. So uh, I thought that was a really good point too. And we, we, we are not really sure exactly from the question, but uh, that that's a really good point with the event horses as well. So um, yeah. we hope you answered the question. And yeah, I, mean, I mean, if, yeah. if, if you have further questions about this, maybe more specifics or, you know, um, yeah, let us know, let us know for sure. Yeah. We love, Com- we love problem. listener really questions. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we love hearing from our listeners and, and trying to help with the, with the dressage, related issues that's what we're here for so thanks for thanks for writing in and we look forward uh to getting some more questions well everybody we enjoyed the emails and facebook shout outs and we enjoyed all the listeners that we got to meet at weg so keep it up and keep it coming uh we're going into fall guys i i can't believe it so uh if you have any uh, questions or comments for us as we're going into fall and or things you want us to work on we're happy to do that so as always you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on the website dressageradio.com like us on facebook just search dressage radio show follow us on twitter at horse radio my website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com the best way to find me is on facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com i'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the horse radio network at horseradionetwork.com Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. Watch some WEG videos, and we'll talk to you next week.